Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio.
This is Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.
Listening to Songs of Praise.
Is the one to whom I've prayed. 
stumble and all his dreams crumble let me be there for I to fail and when I see his heart breaking from a wrong turn he's taking Let me be there for I remember well I want to spend my life mending broken people I want to spend my life removing Give me words that should be spoken For I well remember the
Christ would come and the race he would run it seemed to end on an old rugged cross but when they laid him in that tomb the power of God went in that room and now he reigns forevermore oh hallelujah to the Lamb hallelujah to the Sleep upon a tree. By his stripes we are healed, and by his blood we are sealed. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, church, he's coming back someday to take us home with him to stay. ABN Australia Radio's Songs of Praise. Turtle one, won't it be wonderful there? Won't it 
happy, wonderful there, having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing, oh won't it be wonderful there. There where the tempest will never be sweeping us, won't it be Well.
Oh, yeah. 
left for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin thy double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for rest. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. You've been listening to Songs of Praise, a production of Threben Australia Radio. Welcome to Threben Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, To Meet the Bridegroom. At the final day... Many will claim admission to Christ's kingdom, saying, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? But the answer is, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me. Luke 13, verse 26 and 27, and Matthew 7, verse 22. In this life they have not entered into fellowship with Christ. Therefore they know not the language of heaven. They are strangers to its joy. What man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11. Saddest of all words that ever fell on mortal ear are those words of doom, I know you not. 
The fellowship of the Spirit, which you have slighted, could alone make you one with the joyous throng at the marriage feast. In that scene, you cannot participate. Its light would fall on blinded eyes, its melody upon deaf ears. Its love and joy could awake no chord of gladness in the world-benumbed heart. You are shut out from heaven by your own unfitness for its companionship. We cannot be ready to meet the Lord by waking when the cry is heard, Behold the Bridegroom, and then gathering up our empty lamps to have them replenished. We cannot keep Christ apart from our lives here and yet be fitted for his companionship in heaven. In the parable, the wise virgins had oil in their vessels with their lamps. Their light burned with undimmed flame through the night of watching. It helped to swell the illumination for the bridegroom's honour. Shining out in the darkness, it helped to illuminate the way to the home of the bridegroom, to the marriage feast. So the followers of Christ are to shed light into the darkness of the world. Through the Holy Spirit, God's Word is a light as it becomes a transforming power in the life of the receiver. By implanting in their hearts the principles of His Word, the Holy Spirit develops in men the attributes of God. The light of His glory, His character, is to shine forth in His followers. Thus they are to glorify God, to lighten the path to the bridegroom's home, to the city of God, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The coming of the bridegroom was at midnight, the darkest hour. So the coming of Christ will take place in the darkest period of this earth's history. The days of Noah and Lot picture the condition of the world just before the coming of the Son of Man. The scriptures pointing forward to this time declare that Satan will work with all power and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 9 and 10. His working is plainly revealed by the rapidly increasing darkness, the multitudinous errors, heresies and delusions of these last days. Not only is Satan leading the world captive, but his deceptions are leavening the professed churches of our Lord Jesus Christ. The great apostasy will develop into darkness deep as midnight, impenetrable as sackcloth of hair. To God's people it will be a night of trial, a night of weeping, a night of persecution for the truth's sake. But out of that night of darkness, God's light will shine. He causes the light to shine out of darkness. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 When the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1 verses 2 and 3 So in the night of spiritual darkness, God's word goes forth, Let there be light. To his people he says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Isaiah 60 verse 1 Behold, says the scripture, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Isaiah 60 verse 2 It is the darkness of misapprehension of God that is enshrouding the world. Men are losing their knowledge of his character. It has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. At this time, a message from God is to be proclaimed, a message illuminating in its influence and saving in its power. His character is to be made known. Into the darkness of the world is to be shed the light of his glory, the light of his goodness, mercy and truth. 
This is the work outlined by the prophet Isaiah in the words, O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Isaiah 40, verses 9 and 10. Those who wait for the bridegroom's coming are to say to the people, Behold, your God. The last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world, is a revelation of his character of love. The children of God are to manifest His glory. In their own life and character, they are to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. The light of the Son of Righteousness is to shine forth in good works, in words of truth and deeds of holiness. Christ, the outshining of the Father's glory, came to the world as its light. He came to represent God to men, and of Him it is written that He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and went about doing good, Acts 10, verse 38. In the synagogue at Nazareth, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. This was the work he commissioned his disciples to do. Ye are the light of the world, he said. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16. This is the work which the prophet Isaiah describes when he says, Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. Isaiah 58, verses 7 and 8. Thus, in the night of spiritual darkness, God's glory is to shine forth through his church, lifting up the bowed down and comforting those that mourn. All around us are heard the wails of a world's sorrow. On every hand are the needy and distressed. It is ours to aid in relieving and softening life's hardships and misery. Practical work will have far more effect than mere sermonizing. We are to give food to the hungry, clothing to the naked and shelter to the homeless. And we are called to do more than this. The want of the soul, only the love of Christ can satisfy. If Christ is abiding in us, our hearts will be full of divine sympathy. The sealed fountains of earnest Christ-like love will be unsealed. God calls not only for our gifts for the needy, but for our cheerful countenance, our hopeful words, our kindly handclasp. When Christ healed the sick, he laid his hands upon them. So should we come in close touch with those whom we seek to benefit. There are many from whom hope has departed. Bring back the sunshine to them. Many have lost their courage. Speak to them words of cheer. Pray for them. There are those who need the bread of life. Read to them from the word of God. Upon many is a soul sickness which no earthly balm can reach nor physician heal. Pray for these souls. Bring them to Jesus. Tell them that there is a balm in Gilead and a physician there. 
Light is a blessing, a universal blessing, pouring forth its treasures on a world unthankful, unholy, demoralized. So it is with the light of the Son of Righteousness. The whole earth, wrapped as it is in the darkness of sin and sorrow and pain, is to be lighted with the knowledge of God's love. From no sect, rank or class of people is the light shining from heaven's throne to be excluded. The message of hope and mercy is to be carried to the ends of the earth. Whosoever will may reach forth and take hold of God's strength and make peace with him, and he shall make peace. No longer are the heathen to be wrapped in midnight darkness. The gloom is to disappear before the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness. The power of hell has been overcome. But no man can impart that which he himself has not received. In the work of God, humanity can originate nothing. No man can, by his own effort, make himself a light-bearer for God. It was the golden oil emptied by the heavenly messengers into the golden tubes to be conducted from the golden bowl into the lamps of the sanctuary that produced a continuous, bright and shining light. It is the love of God continually transferred to man that enables him to impart light into the hearts of all who are united to God by faith. The golden oil of love flows freely to shine out again in good works, in real heartfelt service for God. In the great and measureless gift of the Holy Spirit are contained all of heaven's resources. It is not because of any restriction on the part of God that the riches of His grace do not flow earthward to men. If all were willing to receive, all would become filled with His Spirit. It is the privilege of every soul to be a living channel through which God can communicate to the world the treasures of His grace, the unsearchable riches of Christ. There is nothing that Christ desires so much as agents who will represent to the world His spirit and character. There is nothing that the world needs so much as the manifestation through humanity of the Saviour's love. All heaven is waiting for channels through which can be poured the holy oil to be a joy and blessing to human hearts. Christ has made every provision that His church shall be a transformed body, illumined with the light of the world, possessing the glory of Emmanuel. It is his purpose that every Christian shall be surrounded with a spiritual atmosphere of light and peace. He desires that we shall reveal his own joy in our lives. The indwelling of the Spirit will be shown by the outflowing of heavenly love. The divine fullness will flow through the consecrated human agent to be given forth to others. The Son of Righteousness has healing in his wings, Malachi 4 verse 2. So from every true disciple is to be diffused an influence for life, courage, helpfulness, and true healing. The religion of Christ means more than the forgiveness of sin. It means taking away our sins and filling the vacuum with the graces of the Holy Spirit. It means divine illumination, rejoicing in God. It means a heart emptied of self and blessed with the abiding presence of Christ. When Christ reigns in the soul, there is purity, freedom from sin. The glory, the fullness, the completeness of the gospel plan is fulfilled in the life. The acceptance of the Saviour brings a glow of perfect peace, perfect love, perfect assurance. The beauty and fragrance of the character of Christ revealed in the life testifies that God has indeed sent His Son into the world to be its Saviour.
Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. the dark ages covered Europe and darkness covered the people. The lamp of truth still shone brightly in Scotland and Ireland. These two countries on the brink of the known world stood like a wall to resist the menace of advancing religious tyranny. Scotland in particular, like the Waldenses in Northern Italy, found in her rugged mountains a fortress. Iona is an isolated island that has become famous in Christian history. It became a central point to the Celtic church for many centuries, preserving true biblical faith, teaching, educating, and sending out missionaries. The story of Iona starts with a man by the name of Columba, who was actually from Ireland and was born of royal descent. He lived in Ireland and worked there till the age of 32. And from the ages of 25 to 32, he is credited with raising up over 300 churches. Having a missionary spirit burning deep within him, he set sail from Derry in the year 563 with 200 of his companions and came to Scotland. They landed here in Iona, just off the coast of the Isle of Mull in this bay, which is today named Columbus Bay. Despite finding a windswept and barren island, they built houses, planted crops, and founded a Christian school, which would later attain the highest reputation for the pursuit of biblical study and science. The students had a well-rounded education, and in addition to their classes, they would spend time in physical labor, in gardening, in baking, in farming, and in prayer and singing. The students would frequently have to spend 18 years of study before they were ordained for the gospel ministry. It was not a monastery and they were not monks. It was a great mission training institute. The Bible was central to Columba and the school here in Iona. Columba built a church on the Bible and the Bible alone and is credited with copying 300 copies of the New Testament himself with his own hands. Imagine how many copies his students and fellow faculty produced over the many years the school was based here on this little island of Iona. They followed the commandments of the Bible, including keeping the fourth commandment. In fact, the church here in Iona kept the Sabbath for several centuries. In many ways, the believers here were preserving a faith that was handed down to them over the generations since the earliest believers. They did not see themselves as reformers or as breaking away from Rome for the faith that they kept had been around much longer. 
Columba laboured here for 34 years before passing to his rest on the 9th of June, which was a Sabbath day. Iona would for many centuries be a leading centre of the Celtic Church, sending missionaries out from the shores of Scotland flowing to the Continental Church. Columbus followers would hold this island for 641 years before they were driven out by the Benedictine monks. Iona stands to us today and gives us lessons in the missionary work that took place here. While today many people come for a time of peace, reflection and contemplation, a place where they can feel closer to God, we cannot deny the work that took place here. Maybe God is calling you to go and get trained, like the missionaries who would come here to be trained and would go out for service. Maybe God is calling you to be trained for mission service. Maybe He's calling you to a life of full-time ministry. Maybe God is calling you to change the whole course of your life. And if God is calling you, harden not your heart and follow the Lord's leading.